This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 106, about Gotham, A Dark Knight, season 4, episode 4, The Demon's Head. This is Victoria Cartagena. I play Renee Montoya on Gotham. Hey, this is Andrew Stewart-Jones. I play Christmas Allen on Gotham. This is Robin Lloyd-Taylor. I'm David Mazuz. Hey, Gotham TV podcast listeners. This is Maggie Gia, otherwise known as Poison Ivy. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV podcast. Welcome back, fellow Gothamites, to The Demon's Head, episode 106 of Gotham TV podcast and episode 4 of this fourth season of Gotham. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. Welcome back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the demon's head and his knife are revealed in all their murderous glory mm-hmm. uh, in this episode, definitely. Yeah, very cool episode this time. Uh, I wanted to start out this time just saying a huge, huge thank you to all of our new listeners who've joined us for season four. We've really had a bump this season in the uh, in listeners joining us and I know some of you are silent out there it's okay you don't have to share your thoughts with us but if you do want to share your thoughts you can email us at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com or you can go onto our website at gothamtvpodcast.com just leave us a voicemail and um, leave up to 90 seconds of your thoughts about the episode and we'll share them on the podcast and if you want to subscribe to the podcast, just subscribe over on Apple Podcasts. Go through our link at gothamtvpodcast.com slash iTunes or search for us on any good or evil podcast catcher by searching Gotham TV Podcast. But really great to have you with us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, welcome to all the new listeners. And of course, thank you uh, to all those returning to listen to uh, this season of our podcast, Looking at Gotham, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, as always, just a quick reminder about the season four uh, competition and prize draw. Mm-hmm. It is the moment of the week uh, for each episode of Gotham uh, during the series this yeah. year and next. Um, yeah, as always, this will be a spoiler-filled review. So if you haven't watched episode four yet, then uh, please close your ears um, and go and watch it and return to listen to us whitter on um, on our five points that we cover each episode of Gotham. And no um, spoilers, this is a great episode. Go watch it. Yes, definitely. Derek, what are some of the episode details? This episode was directed by Kenneth Fink. Uh, he's directed one episode before. It did um, episode 207, Mommy's Little Monster, where we sadly lost Gertrude Cobblepot. Ah, yes. Uh, so he does deal with death of characters in the show uh, before. I really like his direction in this episode. There's some beautifully shot scenes. Um, yeah, really good. Um, certainly... Everything around the the museum, but yeah, also a lot of death mm-hmm. in this. I think the head count was at least five in this episode. The, there was a few deaths, yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> and the big news this episode was written by Ben McKenzie, directed an excellent episode of season three. I think that was one of the five out of fives that we gave last season. Yes. Uh, and now written an episode for this season. It's kind of cool. He's kind of had at least some major scenes in every single episode since the show began. Uh, So he's probably got the best perspective on all of the characters and really puts it to some good use here in this episode. Yeah, definitely. And if you are worried about how the wrapping may turn out in this episode, fear (laughs) not. It works quite well, really. It does, it does. When I saw that trailer that they put up on at New York Comic Con of the two rappers uh, talking to Penguin or rapping at Penguin, 
I was going, how are you going to work this into the show? It looks really terrible, but works really, really well in the show. And in fact, they do get their comeuppance. So I should say the headcount for this episode is seven. <laughs> could be, it could be. So John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. Bruce Wayne seeks answers to his newly acquired knife and enlists Niles Winthrop of the Gotham Natural History Museum. With the help of his grandson, Alex, they discover that it is the embalming knife of Balashi linked to the Himalayan country of Nanda Parat and the legend of the demon's head. But as they delve further into the legend of the knife, Raish al Ghul comes for the knife, killing Winthrop. Alex escapes from Raish, who sends Anubis and Hunter to get the knife and kill Alex. Elsewhere, Sophia Falcone meets with Penguin as she begins her plan with Jim to win back Gotham from Penguin, but is dealt a harsh reminder of Oswald's cunning as he reminds her who is king in Gotham. In his continuing feud with Ed Nigma, Oswald gains the upper hand and is about to refreeze his centerpiece, but at the point of triumph, Oswald reprieves Ed, letting him go, but reminding him that his previous intellect and cunning has escaped him and that he is no longer the Riddler or a challenge. Only when Ed has regained his abilities will Oswald consider him worthy of his attention. Meanwhile, Alex, still on the run, is helped by Bruce and Jim Gordon, and the knife is kept safe, and Rachel Gould is arrested and is sent to Blackgate. But all achieved at a tragic cost. As Jim, Bruce, and Rach come face to face at the museum, Alex is murdered by Raish, and Bruce bears the guilt of having to choose between Alex's life and handing over the knife to Raish al Ghul. Some very big moments and some very surprising moments in this episode, some really enjoyable ones. But let's start out with our first case note, John. Um, the knife of Balashi. We finally find out what that knife means and where it comes from. Uh, kind of cool to get a little shout out to Nanda Parbas, um, which... If you have been following Arrow, the TV show, uh, this character of Rachel Gould has appeared on that, and there has been many visits to Nanda Parbat uh, during the run of that show. So, kind of cool to get this shout out that there is that this is the same Rachel Gould. Yes, and and the knife is linked to myths and legends uh, of uh, Nando Parbat, and of course, yeah, it's 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 just a nice little bit of context for this knife that mm. causes so much trouble for the rest of this episode for Bruce and for Jim and definitely for Alex and his grandfather. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we hear that it is, you know, it is linked to a man who uh, has lived for a very long time and is resurrected in waters. How this actually works, I wonder if it needs to be used to cut open someone and the blood helps the Lazarus pit to, to provide those regenerative properties that it that it gives. Mm. But yeah, we have a really nice little piece here uh, finding out more about this knife that Bruce uh, acquired at the auction beating uh, Babs to it. And I really enjoyed um, Professor Winthrop here uh, and his grandson Alex. A really kind of nice little touch, you know, bringing, uh, drawing on uh, things like uh, Indiana Jones and and, De- and the Mummy and things like this, you know, this idea yeah, yeah. Of, of the professor of antiquities looking over 
hieroglyphics, new languages. I, I thought this was a nice little touch to be yeah, honest. Yeah. And it was kind of cool seeing Alex had a bit of knowledge about that as well because he's been working with his grandfather for a while. He's been doing his homework in the Natural History Museum. So he had a little bit of a talent for investigating this type of stuff as well. I thought that was quite cool. Um, so they had the, the inscription on the knife, which uh, I just thought was really interesting because it gives some kind of perspective. So if you missed it, the inscription was, he who rises from the waters whom death cannot touch with a sacred blade his final savage destiny will be, will be fulfilled. The earth will quake, blood will flow, all will tremble before the demon's head. So a kind of an inscription about the fact that this knife is what gives Rachel Ghoul his power and the fact that he will be the one that will take over the earth and control the world with the magic of the knife, uh, as Rache describes it to Barbara later on in the episode as well. Definitely. Um, and uh, Professor Winthrop certainly trembled and was also... Um, Killed rather brutally with a snap of the neck by mm-hmm. Rich. Uh, and of course, yes, so the, um, the museum was filled with blood at this point. Yeah. Uh, Alex manages to escape though, uh, luckily for him, but is then th- sent on the run trying to, uh, hide from both the GCPD and of course, um, this, this man who he saw kill his grandfather. Mm-hmm. And a really nice, um, Really nice opening, great opening, you know. And, and then we cut back to um, poor Professor Winthrop and uh, sort of looking rather blue uh, and dead on the floor as the GCPD come in to uh, investigate this. Yeah. I think the um, the real interesting thing I, I found here was how Alfred took Bruce aside as soon as he realized that Alex uh, was uh, with his grandfather saying, mm-hmm. you know, do we really want to involve um, this, this young kid in something so dangerous? Because we really have the point where, you know, Bruce has effectively lied to Alex at a, a really big point uh, in the show where uh, Alex asks, did he know that this kind of thing would happen? And yeah. he says no to him. And of course, he knows that it's Raish's uh, dagger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he is being really liberal uh, with the truth here for um, with Alex. Yeah, and he was also told by Penguin last episode that Barbara's going to be on the lookout for you. This is dangerous to have this knife. So he's been informed. He's also informed by Alfred, as you say. Um, why would we involve the kid here? Whatever about an old geezer, as, as Alfred says, um, involving a kid in this when you know how dangerous it is. Yeah, so this has real big implications for then what happens towards the end, which we will come to in mm-hmm. our fifth case note. Can I just say I also love the fact that Jim is teaming up with Bruce here. Uh, I love this moment where Jim gives him a little bit of skill in being a detective, so Batman's well known as being the greatest detective. And um, I love that it's a little bit of guidance from Jim here where he says to him, can you remember anything about uh, about the boy what was he wearing what was he doing and that's what gives Bruce the insight into finding him uh, realising that he's a school kid realising that he has access to the library and would have had a key because of his his grandfather so that's where he knows where the kid's going to be so where Alex is going to be and uh, yeah. I liked that they have this kind of uh, this kind of interesting uh, dynamic between Jim and Bruce it's rare to see just the two of them a lot of time we see Alfred and Jim and Bruce uh, but it's rare to see just the two of them working together and they will become quite close partners in the future. So it's good to have that setting up. Yeah, definitely. And that Bruce is withholding information from Jim and that, mm-hmm. that Jim really takes him to task then saying, you know, what do you actually know here? You know, who is it? And, you know, Bruce has to give up uh, Rachel Gould's name and he really has to um, come clean to Jim about that. And it, it, it's really interesting that when Bruce is lying to Alex, 
there is this moment where both Bruce and Jim are in the same shot and Jim is looking at him and uh, David Mazzus does a really good bit of acting where, you know, you can sense how uncomfortable he is in lying to Alex and, and again, holding back information. Yeah. Um, and that's presumably because of the staircase chat that the two of these um, actors had uh, were... Uh, Bruce is patching up Alex after he's been chased by Dog Boy, uh, also known as Anubis. It's a really important moment for Bruce because I would suspect uh, a big lesson uh, has to be learned from this, as we'll come to. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I think we should go on to case number two, John. Yes, uh, Raz Al Ghul comes to the GCPD. I know it's Raish, I'm just <laughs> messing. Or Ra'ash, as, Ra'ash. Uh, as David Mazus calls him in the episode. It's quite interesting, there's a good little gag there when Jim calls up Harper in the uh, in the GCPD and says to write down the name of Raish Al Ghul and find out who it is. And she goes, how do you spell that? Yeah, <laughs> I know, so really many, So many different pronunciations over the years of the, of the, of the character's name. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this moment with uh, Raish and Jim together in uh, in the captain's office and in, in Bullock's office. A uh, cool moment with just dancing around the truth with Jim between the two of them. It feels like Jim knows exactly who this guy is and how involved he is, despite the cover story that he works for uh, the Office of Antiquities for Nanda Parvas, and he's into getting this knife back. There's some nice little back and forth between the two of them where uh, Jim does realise over time this is obviously a much more dangerous person than he's saying he is. He may have gotten a button-up shirt and uh, and a bow tie on and look like he's wearing tweed and uh, looks like he's a historian, but this guy is much more dangerous than he's letting on. Yeah, definitely. And of course, uh, Alfred punctuates uh, the, <laughs> the, this meeting um, and uh, gives Raisha good old swipe with his uh, right hook. The great thing here is I'm starting to see a pattern of the Gotham punch mm-hmm. here. We had Ed with his his book of riddles swiping poor Myrtle with the book and she flings her head back as she's knocked out. Yeah. And we see again here, we definitely see that purposeful sort of thrust back from Raish as, as Alfred lands a good right hook across his, uh, his face. Mm-hmm. And we see this also with the book in the library with Dog Boy as well. Um, I must say it's making me chuckle. It's, it's almost like the overacting of the punches where they really kind of like exaggerate the punch oh, uh, really and then hold the the head at a certain point before they kind of fly back uh, it's really cool but <laughs> there great. seems to be a little gotham punch motif running through um some of these fisticuffs that are going on now absolutely and they also don't seem to use books for reading very much in gotham anymore they seem to use them as tools for uh for violence um jim also uses the entire set of about six or seven bookcases in the library to knock out uh, hunter who's the other character is with anibus yes books so for hitting and punching, uh, as we learned from Jason Bourne, of course, um, previously, <laughs> as well as for reading. Well, didn't course. they always say when you're in college, then they always tell you to hit the books, and this is now hit people with the books? Yes. Yeah. And this is why you buy hardbacks. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Better line of defense. Better line of defense. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but no, I really enjoyed the scene with um, with Alexander Sadiq and, uh, and Ben McKenzie. Uh, it's really good to see the two of these characters together. I love Alexander Sadiq. I've loved him all the way back to the first time I saw him, which was back on Deep Space Nine. Uh, 
Uh, I know he was also in Game of Thrones as well, and he's playing a great Rachel Ghoul here. This, yes, he, he just he just has a great presence about him in the show. Uh, some great scenes with Barbara as well um, for Alexander Sadiq. Uh, the two of them work really well together on screen. I'm really enjoying his work on the show, and I'm hoping we're going to see a lot more of him. Uh, interesting to see what he smiled at the end of the episode as he went into Blackgate Prison. So, yes, uh, it's going to be something interesting coming up next episode with him. Was it all on purpose, as some of these things usually are mm-hmm. with these big villains? It feels like there's something or someone hidden in Blackgate that uh, Raish is trying to get access to. So I guess we'll see that next week. I can't think of a character that's in Blackgate right now. Everybody else seems to be either on the run or in Arkham Asylum. So this may be a new character. I think with that, speaking of new characters, on to Case Note 3, Penguin's Paranoia Mm. uh, and the meeting with Sophia Falcone. Uh, This is a really good little bit where you find the influence of uh, Carmine on Penguin. Just that moment where Penguin leans across to Sophia. uh, You know, he's full of doubt as to her real intentions for coming back to to Gotham. Um, You know, and he he leans into her after they've had this conversation about whether she's here to to establish or re-establish Falcone empire in Gotham and to challenge the penguin or whether she's just simply here as she states to do a number of charitable works Uh, and he leans in and says I have your father's thoughts going through my head there's a great moment really of of seeing the influence of Carmine in Gotham and on Oswald I think and I have to say like I know I said last episode just I will never trust any of the Falcons, I'll never trust any of them, I'll never trust Sophia, but she does play the role really well of uh, of this person that has come to town to take care of some charities. She really is quite believable in that, and quite interesting to see that all of the heads of the that have gone to ground um, when Penguin took over come to visit her and then get slaughtered, and that was part of her plan. So she is completely as ruthless as Carmine Falcone would have been this situation. Um, the way she explains it to, to Jim Gordon later on in the episode where she says, that's my plan. It's to get into the good books of Penguin and then take him down. Yeah. And I mean, also just the fact that she really says to Jim, did you think this was going to be bloodless? You know, Jim seems to think that this will be done um, sort of around the table um, at a meeting by committee. But in fact, she says, you know, there, there will be blood spilt here. And it, and that's the thing at the moment, who is playing who? Because we do, you know, Penguin thinks he's got the upper hands that he's, he's playing her. She is playing him. But all in all, who really is on top here of this big game? Because um, yeah. we've seen before with Oswald, you think he's down and out. And whether it's luck runs with him or whether it's his own manipulations that he comes out on top. You know, he is king of Gotham for a reason. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, this is still very much a, a game of chess between these two. And it, it's a really good thing to to see here. Uh, Sophia also has another little bit of... Um, Hotness with Jim as well on, on, on the sofa by the roaring flames uh, after the crystal glass is smashed to the floor. <laughs> I did think Mills and Boone. There is a nice, it's a nice little moment, absolutely. Um, I really like that other moment with Sophia and the Penguin where she says, my dad would not have done this. Uh, my dad would not have killed the heads of the crime families. He would have negotiated with them and got them on board and used their strength. And Oswald's response to that is, 
times change and you have to change with them, uh, which is quite interesting. We know Penguin has a very different style of uh, running the city of Gotham than any of the previous mafia heads would have. So uh, That's it, he yeah. rules by violence. Without yeah, a doubt. Definitely. He is influenced by Carmine, but he also has his own way mm-hmm. as well. And he knows uh, Carmine lost the city in the end. So why follow every step that the man did? You know, he lost it to, to Penguin. If he runs the same operation, he will also lose it to somebody else in the future. So change it up. Yeah, and, and Penguin is in another game as well, and this brings us on to point four. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's still got this feud going on with Ed Nigma uh, after he escaped from his icy prison. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really see him getting the better of Ed. You know, it looks like he's about to get him refrozen by Dr. Fry's, mm-hmm. um, but instead he realizes that Ed is almost a spent force. He, he hasn't got the sharpness or the cunning like he did um, before he was frozen. And, and he really um, sticks it to him with saying, you're not the Riddler. You're not that man. You're not Ed Nigma. Yeah. Um, you know, you have lost it all. I pity you. You know, he, he's got sympathy to an extent with him. Uh, and maybe not sympathy so much because obviously he's learned his lesson of, of those kind of uh, those sympathetic or, or loving uh, emotions mm-hmm. from, from previous times in Gotham. But, you know, he's got pity here. And so he doesn't refreeze him. And he's really kind of throwing down the gauntlet that until you're better, until you are uh, back to your old self, I'm not going to even bother with you. You yeah. don't deserve my attention. Exactly. It's like it's like what you said in the in the synopsis that it's not it's not worth any of Penguin's time anymore. Um, I, I do love the comedy moments. It shows that Ben McKenzie can do comedy as well as some drama that he does in the show. He does a great job here. Uh, giving two plot lines to the Penguin, I think, is is a really good choice here. Having the really serious plot line with Sophia, uh, where he murders three people, plus having this plot line with Ed, which is much funnier. I must say, the rappers uh, coming in and delivering the riddle to the Penguin. Over the past three and a half seasons, three three and a bit seasons, We've seen so many riddles from Enigma, and some of them are very difficult to work out. Some of them are very easy to work out. Some of them are great gags. This one, or these two delivered by the rappers, were very funny in the fact that they meant absolutely nothing. One of them's about where people lie, cry, and laugh uh, is one of them, which are just emotions, as Oswald points out. And the other one, which is supposed to be directions for their first meeting, is... It is between the ground and the sky and where water goes. <laughs> like, they give no guidance at all. It's not exactly a street address in the first rap. And great moments here with, once again, Anthony Carrigan, as Victor's has, uh, standout moments when his head is bopping along to the rap. Yeah. And then immediately afterwards he goes, I don't care about this rap. I don't, I don't care about riddles. Why don't we just torture them to get the location out of them? And um, then gets and then gets the second time goes, can we torture them now? Because they're still yeah, not yeah. giving us any I've been on the first time as well where the rappers kind of go, but he just took us off the streets and he's like, yes, that's what you were going to say. We need to torture them, basically. Really, really good. It says. He just wants to torture people. Yeah, really good. Yeah, and he has the uh, another great moment as well where Penguin is meeting Sophia. And, you know, Penguin kind of says, look, if you step out of line, you will have to deal with Victor, uh, my right-hand man here. And he kind of just does the stab. I will stab you. Uh, <laughs> and does the stabbing movement with his hand, which is really, really good. Yeah, I mean, like... At this stage, the rappers at the end of the second rap are effectively going to get 
snotted by, yeah. by Victor. So, I mean, at this stage, what we are up to a headcount of six in this episode. Mm-hmm. So at this stage, they are really falling like dominoes. Mm, absolutely. So, yeah, as, as the case note four is goodbye, Ed. I do feel that this is kind of an end to that feud between Penguin and Ed. And he's going to have to establish himself again as the Riddler in future. You think he's going to get his mind back again? Well, I hope so. Yeah, like it, it is really interesting. Someone did point out that in the old comic books, there is this thing of the riddles that Ed gives. Nobody's able to work them out. So are they doing something interesting on Gotham where they're where they're deciding that the reason why people can't work out the riddles is because effectively Ed's brain is melted from the fact that he has been frozen for five months. Uh, is that the reason why people can't work out his riddles? Because they're actually make no sense anymore. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's quite it's, a cool point. His brain is like a uh, thawed out cottage pie taken <laughs> out of the freezer. Um, it's all gone slightly mushy. Are you hungry for it by any chance, John? Maybe. <laughs> I think we need to get on to our final case note. Um, quite a big moment and quite a big uh, a big case note, really. It's the sacrifice of Alex. I liked the storyline with the character of Alex in the show. Um, it's quite interesting when you bring a brand new character in. A couple of really good things about it. Something that we've missed, really, apart from one episode early on in the season, it's other contemporaries of Bruce, people around his own age group. And it's interesting to see David Bazooka play off younger characters because he is generally in scenes with much older people than himself, uh, apart from Selena, where they have the on-again, off-again relationship. So it's good to see him interact with somebody younger. Loved the scene on the stairs where Alex is kind of being respectful of Bruce. Definitely. But also telling him how people perceive him. So he's known across the city, obviously. He's the, the young heir to the Wayne fortune. And he Alex shares with him that everybody in the school talks about him. They say that he doesn't have to go to school. He's the heir to a fortune and flies all around the world on private jets, um, which makes him seem weird. And then he says, and a bit cool. Well, weirdly cool, which yeah. I love. You know, I love that little moment. Really nice, actually. Yeah, it was, it was great interplay on, on, on the stairs there. And I think... Um, that set against kind of what Bruce is in and, and, and what he's got himself into, I mm-hmm. think, it is a really good um, bit of storytelling because, you know, Bruce does and is older than his peers, yet he's still that age and he still probably misses that connection, you know. Even with Selena, she is older than her peers. She's had to grow up really quickly because she's been on the streets. Yeah, yeah. And she too hangs around with much older people like Tabitha, Barbara, mm-hmm. and so on. And even, you know, her closest friend has become older, um, physically, um, with, with Poison Ivy. Yeah, yeah. So the two of them are kind of quite unique for, um, almost like, you know, single child mm-hmm. and that they're, they're much more connected with grownups, but they're still kids. And I think having that on the, on the stirwell, uh, between Alex and Bruce was really, really good. And certainly when then all of a sudden the, the, the adult part of Bruce's life comes crashing into this uh, kind of newfound connection with Alex um, because he has to lie to his grandfather as well as Alex about, you know, this knife. That they think it's simply just, you know, uh, finding more about something that he has bought at auction. Yet he knows there is this really um, dangerous organization yeah. behind it uh, and that there is more to it and, you know, has to lie to Alex, as we were saying before, um, about, you know, whether he knew that he was putting him in, in danger. And of course, it leads to Alex effectively 
being murdered by Rachel Ghoul, where he has the trade between Alex and the knife of Balashi, uh, where um, he will give Alex his life uh, for the knife. Yeah. And I mean, Bruce has to really uh, make a decision here. And he's like, we can't give this knife to Rachel Ghoul because of what it will uh, pretend to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jim is saying, give him the knife, save the kid. Um, and, and in the end, Rache really brutally slits uh, Alex's throat. I mean, I really wanted Alex to be sort of a season regular almost. I thought it was really cool, almost a bit like um, a, a proto-oracle for, for Bruce, where he would be his kind of expert on things like antiquities or historical right, stuff. Yeah, um, but of course, um, alas, what John wants, John doesn't get. So, <laughs> yeah, we have a really um, big emotional scene but a big important scene for probably how bruce develops mm, yeah it, it's really interesting that he did make that did make that choice not to give the knife to race that was the deal it was effectively if you give out the knife alex's life is saved and the choice of bruce is not to give the knife until race goes well now you've learned so i'm going to kill him effectively and um, it was really interesting i must say I do love live tweeting the episodes because you do find out how people feel all the way throughout the episode. It was fascinating when we had Alex arrive. Um, some people were, were suggesting that he may be the, uh, the old Batman 66 villain, King Tut, um, who is a person that works in cool. uh, a museum and becomes King Tut, uh, wears the Egyptian garb. A pretty poor villain, but I really love the idea that they could have done something like this in Gotham, created a really good origin story for it. A pretty poor supervillain. Uh, I kind of like that idea. And then as the show went on and we got this relationship scene with the two of them on the stairs, some people were kind of wondering, is this possibly Gotham's way of bringing in a Robin for Batman, somebody slightly younger than him, but uh, who leads by his example? Um, some great moments, restatement of the intent of the show for Bruce and his development on the show, uh, where Alex kind of says to him, how did you fight against those people? I wanted to just hide and run away from them, yet you stood up and fought against them. And then Alex develops that uh, that running towards danger later on in the episode when he knocks out Anibus, who's attacking Bruce. So there is that kind of scene where he's following Bruce's example. So I can understand why some people were thinking that maybe we'll have this character around a little bit longer and it'll be another Robin to Bruce or something like that, some sidekick to Bruce, which I thought was quite cool. Unfortunately, not to be. As as with Gotham, a lot of new characters coming in and out of the show, um, sadly. And it is sad to have, to have lost Alex, but, uh, but a really good character and role, a well-written role in this, in this show. Definitely, yeah, definitely. So, John, overall, what's your moment of the week for this episode? Do you have a moment of the week for, for Gotham episode four? Season four. Yeah, I think it is the um, the face off between Raish uh, and Bruce and the trade off mm. um, that has to happen. I think this is like massive for for Bruce in terms of emotionally because someone has died because of his decision not to give um, the the knife to Rachel Gould. Mm-hmm. Um, he feels absolutely responsible for this um irrespective of what alfred and jim are telling him at the end i think this is a really big moment for him uh, you know in terms of how he develops uh, as this vigilante and and the the lessons and experience that he gets to to mold him into the person who he will become mm-hmm. uh, as well as it being a, a, an immediate emotional moment i really hope as well that it it 
persists into the next episode, mm-hmm. this, this, this shock, because I think it is. It's a real shock of what's happened. So I, I really am hoping that the legacy of Alex, whilst he might not turn up in, in any of the future episodes, but this moment persists a bit through the the next couple of episodes yeah. or, or at some point later on in the series, you know, yeah. um, I think that'd be really cool if, if that happened. I totally agree. And I, I do love there is a moment kind of after this where Alfred and Bruce are sitting down talking to Jim and Jim goes, can you give me something that I can actually believe in here? You're talking about a guy that, that's lived for thousands of years, Alfred being killed and coming back from the dead. Give me something I can believe in. Even these two characters who Jim's been so close to for years now, uh, he still doesn't believe the story that they're talking to him about this, uh, this magical character who has a knife that can help him come back from the dead and the Lazarus pit. So I thought that was quite interesting as well. Um, some great Gotham moments in this episode, definitely. Our character of the week, obviously, I think, is Alex. Definitely. Um, we've talked about him a lot because he is a really, really good, well-defined character. Definitely a standout in the show so far. But Anubis is also really, really interesting. Dog boy, as he's called by uh, by Barbara, uh, thought he was a really creepy character, really well-designed character for the show. Yeah, definitely. And I really liked how, um, you know, he really took on the, the running and chasing on all fours. I was yeah. like thinking... Yeah, I would really not move as fast as that if I was someone trying to to imitate that that motion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he must have incredible upper arm strength. That's all I can say. Uh, can we say the comedy moment of our end to Anubis as a bone from the uh, from, <laughs> from the dinosaur that uh, that Jim picks up and throws out the window, and he follows it straight out the window as well. <laughs> yes. So has uh, Anubis uh, ended as a little red dog meat patty on oh, no. the, the sidewalk, I wonder. I was waiting for the yelp as he went through the air. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool as well. Just a couple of little notes from the episode as well. I really liked that question to, uh, to Victor, where um, how many graves did you dig, Victor, when he's got the three people to murder? And Victor goes... I built, I did two, but they're roomy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> really like that. And one other note, um, Barbara's, and Barbara's place as we arrive, uh, the song that's playing is one of my absolute favorite 60s songs, um, which is called White Rabbit from Jefferson Airplane. I love it. It's, it's just got a really cool vibe to it. And um, I think they called one of the episodes last season White Rabbit, uh, when we had, um, Mad Hatter in and it was a reference to this, uh, to this song. I mentioned all the, all the episodes throughout season three have had a reference to, uh, to songs. So that was where White Rabbit came from. Uh, it came from the Jefferson Airplane song. So it's uh, so quite cool. Um, really love the use of the song. Always like the use of music in Gotham. So um, really good to call that one out. Uh, John, overall, how would you rate this episode? I would give this five Knives of Balashi out of five. Wow. I thought this was hugely cool. I loved Alex and his grandfather. And I loved... Then the team up with him and Bruce, the team up with Bruce and Jim. I love the fact that Penguin um, had these two sort of interchanging storylines, one with Sophia uh, and one back with Ed again. And, you know, I was wondering when was the feud between Ed and Oswald going to stop? It's certainly been put on hold for the time being. Um, and I, I'm, I think that's a good... Uh, plan from the writers as well. Uh, you know, again, Victor Zaz, some great little one-liners there. But also then the big impact of what Rachel Ghoul has brought to Gotham and the implications that that has for Bruce and how Bruce is going to have to deal with it mm-hmm. and how he's going to have to learn from it. Um, I think in this episode, it is really put front and center with the death of Alex. And I think that is really very, very cool. You know, it, it's got that great, 
emotional tug, really dramatic. And, and yet there's some light moments again. Just the balance that they're getting here now, I think, is super. Um, so definitely five Knives of Balashi out of five. So that's really interesting. And I totally agree with you. It's definitely a top episode from the season. But it's really interesting. You've given a five out of five for Ben McKenzie, director of Gotham. And now a five out of five for Ben McKenzie, writer of Gotham. And I think it's fair to say that the character of Jim Gordon has always been someone that you've struggled with. Yes. Giving compliments to. I think we need Ben McKenzie in the writer's room a bit more often. Um, I think he does a great job with the character of Jim and making him centre while not confusing him as much as some of the other writers Definitely. have done in the past. And we've never really had a huge problem with Gotham overall, how the episodes are written, but it feels like Jim in other episodes gets in the way of the story more often than not. And it feels like this episode particularly, he is at the centre of the story and for good reason and is calling out other characters for them getting in the way of what's going on in his investigation, which I think is is working really well. He did a great job. Really, really pleased that they got Ben McKenzie in to write this episode. Definitely. I think with that, on to some feedback. Our first bit of feedback has come in by email. Remember, you can send in feedback to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's coming from Annalise. She goes, hello from Chicago. Uh, what an episode from Ben McKenzie. While watching this episode, I quite enjoyed Ed sending Oswald the rapping riddle grams. <laughs> it, it made me a bit nostalgic for the fruit grams that Foxy received. Uh, I laughed even harder every time Zaz would suggest torturing uh, their, the rappers. The rappers, I think, would be my characters of the week. Very cool. I like the connection between the riddle grams and the fruit grams. Yeah. The fruit grams back in last season when Lucius Fox was receiving them from Ed, who had realized that Lucius was his closest rival, were absolutely hilarious. They were really, really good. And And the fact that Lucius broke down those riddles in seconds Whereas this time, with these riddlegrams coming from the rappers to Oswald, Oswald has no idea what he's talking about because it's clearly something in Ed's own head. Uh, I love that little moment where Oswald calls out to him, did it just take you a minute or two to write those riddles? And Ed goes, five or six hours to write <laughs> yeah, them, absolutely. thinking he's going to impress him. Uh, and Annalise is in Chicago at the moment for the uh, for the um, first Gotham fan convention by Creation Entertainment. So uh, have a brilliant time. I hope by the time you've heard this, Annalise, you're probably just towards the end of your time at Creation Con um, for Gotham. I hope you've really enjoyed your time there. Really, yeah, I hope it's a contact. great little uh, fan convention, definitely. First of many, hopefully. Yes, definitely. Annalise goes on to say, I also was not expecting Raish to come to Jim. That bit of play between the two was amazing. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I did miss having Harv in this episode, even if just to throw in a bullockism or two. Sorry for the short feedback this go around, but I've not had much sleep prepping for Gotham Khan, and I'm feeling it. Annalise. Thank yeah. you so much, Annalise, for, for that feedback. I think, sadly, real life got in the way for um, for Donald Logue. This was around the time when his uh, his daughter had gone missing um, during the summer when the filming was going on. So uh, it's great to have Harper in here in, in the episode as a new GCPD character because it does feel a little light in the show sometimes when it's just Jim and Harvey uh, in a team of... 30 or 40 characters who are in the GCPD. It does sometimes seem a little bit light, but it is sad that unfortunately Donald Lowe couldn't be in here because I'm sure 
Ben McKenzie would have loved to have written to, written for John, Donald Loke. He mentioned before that it's one of the characters he really enjoys working with because he loves how he delivers lines. But uh, but unfortunately, with what was going on in real life, he probably had to step away from the show for a few weeks. Glad that situation all worked out as well. We did talk about it um, during the summer. Very sad, uh, very sad situation, but ended off absolutely fine at, at this stage. So uh, thanks so much for that feedback, Annalise. Really good to hear from you again. Uh, we do have a voicemail in from Claire Payne. If you want to send us a voicemail, all you need to do is just go to the website at gothamtvpodcast.com and record up to 90 seconds of your thoughts about the episode. Hello, Gotham TV Podcast. This was an exceptionally good episode. The opportunity as an actor to be able to go on to direct and then write an episode must be a wonderful opportunity. And that Gotham has given Ben McKenzie... Rachel Goh is fab and his disguises and psychotic ways are a great addition to Gotham. I am liking Sophia Falco. It will be really interesting to see exactly what are her true feelings towards Jim and the way she sourced her path with the Penguin. Sophia explaining the differences between her father and the Penguin to Oswald was really some wonderful dialogue. Robin Lord Taylor and Corey Mucklesmith were my scene highlights starting with the Riddler rap to the end where Oswald said goodbye to Ed and Ed not knowing who he is. I expressed this on Twitter and Instagram. Robin and Corey are two rare actors. They bring emotion, anger and comedy to their scenes. I am constantly drawn in by them. And I can't wait next week to see Solomon Grundy because um, I'm missing Mr Drew Powell and I can't wait to see what they do with him. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Claire. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't wait to see Solomon Grundy on a Monday, or maybe it's a Thursday it's a now. Thursday. It would have worked um, out so much better if Gotham was still on Monday. It, it really would have been a great little tagline, see you on a Monday with Solomon Grundy. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the the whole thing with um, Sophia, I think, is really good. You know, she, she's in this game with Penguin, but I think, as you say, yeah, it's a really good point about, you know, What's her game with Jim? Mm. Is she simply going along with his kind of idea of taking Gotham back from the Penguin? Or is there revenge in her sights with regards to Mario? So a really interesting relationship here um, that will no doubt pan out on the living room sofa. <laughs> I totally agree with it. Never trust a Falcone. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what her, her end game is, but I don't think it's going to work out very well for Jim. If she wins back Gotham from Penguin, it's going to be some serious prize price to pay for uh, for Jim Gordon after killing her brother. Yeah, not not great uh, for him. Yeah, totally agree with you. It must have been a great moment for Ben McKenzie to know that he was going to get an episode to write. Uh, I know he wrote some of it on his honeymoon when he was uh, when he was just after he got married with Marina Bacar, and so uh, so she's been pretty supportive of him as well. Absolutely, <laughs> I cool. presume that must have been the sofa scene. Uh, <laughs> potentially, potentially. Although I don't know whether you write a sex scene with another character on a TV show when you're away on holiday or it on honeymoon been with your wife. You know. Inspired writing. Potentially. And yes, 100%. Ed and Oswald together on screen are always great to see. I would like it to be relaxed for a little while longer. Uh, we've had the two of them as being seen partners over and over again throughout season three, which has been fantastic, and into season four now from when Ed has been thought out. They've been back and forth between the two of them. I'd love to see a new storyline for Ed um, something brand new that he can sink his teeth into. I hope we're going to get that from next week, which I think we are. And obviously having Oswald having to battle against 
uh, against Sofia is his other storyline. So, uh, so I'm hoping that we'll see a little bit more as Ed starts to recover from the freezing. Yeah, for next, for absolutely. The Thank you so much, Claire, for that feedback. And of course, um, to everyone who's listening, you can, of course, send in your feedback to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com or you can join our group over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Gotham TV podcast. There are three little questions to answer. Uh, they are the keys to the gate um, of the, the group. Just to explain, because I know we got a question about it. The reason why we have the questions in there is because there is a lot of spammers on Facebook now. We, we had, we have had some problems in the group in the past. And I know a lot of our friends who have Facebook groups have had some problems with people coming in and spamming the groups with sales or with uh, items that they don't want to do. So we just have a little couple of questions there. If you answer them, you're in the group pretty much. If you don't answer them, you don't go into the group. We yeah. have a page though over on facebook.com slash Gotham TV podcast if you want to just read our news section. But if you want to interact and, and come into the group, just answer those questions and yeah, come and join we us. We don't want any bots. Thank you. We do not need um, spam. We do not need spam. Uh, and then of course you can uh, follow us on Twitter as well at Gotham TV podcast. Uh, but of course, importantly for a podcast, uh, please subscribe to us over on Apple Podcasts. Go to gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes or subscribe on any other good or evil podcast catcher. Um, And of course, you can also go over to our website, gothamtvpodcast.com and you can subscribe to Android or Apple Podcasts as you wish uh, through the website as well. And while you're over on iTunes, why not leave us a rating? We've had a few ratings actually since uh, since the season began, all five star, which is really really nice of our wonderful listeners out there. It's yeah, really cool. Thank you so much. Of course, yes, spreading the love is always good. Definitely, and even if you're not the kind of person that likes to send in feedback into podcasts, it's so good of you to leave us ratings and reviews over on iTunes. It's really nice of you. And hot off the presses, just after we'd finished recording, we got in some more feedback. So I think we're going to add it in now. Absolutely, yes. Uh, feedback from John Hammond. Yes, uh, John says, first time emailer, first time listener to your podcast, which was recommended to me by Claire Payne. Thanks, Claire. See, sharing love, always a good way to get in other listeners. Thanks so much. Definitely. Uh, John says, so I've listened to last week's episode. I've got to say, I really enjoyed it. You guys go into some great depth for your reviews and it makes for an enjoyable hour. Cheers for that. And I'll be listening to all from now on. Thanks, John. Thank you, John. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to, to know you're enjoying the podcast. John goes on to say, on to the latest episode, I have to say it was a cracker. I think we've had three episodes that have all acted, for me anyway, as episodes setting everything up for the first half of the season, which has been done really well. Come to this episode and I think all the setup has been worth it. This was a great episode and one that brings the absolute craziness of Gotham that we've seen plenty of. Yeah, there was definitely some crazy moments in this episode. John says, uh, this also serves as one of the scariest episodes of the show, in my opinion. The sight of the dogman, Anibus, was enough to give nightmares, and his hunt for Alex made him all the more frightening. Alexander Siddig gives us an extremely intimidating version of Ra's al Ghul, and is a complete contrast to the version we saw in Arrow. The scene of Alex's demise was horrific, and serves to show what Gotham is all about. Very dark. Definitely, yeah. I mean, just the fact that it is uh, the murder of uh, young Alex is really just shows there is a darkness here to this series of Gotham. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it works really well. Gotham is a dark and dangerous place. And getting darker all the time. Uh, Alexander Sadiq is definitely doing a great job as, yeah. uh, as Rachel Gould. Again, very different from um, from the character that was on Arrow. I think that was a much lighter version of the character than Alexander's providing us here in the show. 
And John goes on to say, Sophia Falcone certainly can't be one to be trusted, and I'm sure there are going to be sparks flying between her and Jim one way or the other in upcoming episodes. I seem to have gone on a bit, but there was so much good about this episode, and apart from the great direction, some beautiful looking shots, one featuring Anubis on the Hunt, this was a very well written episode by the star of the show, Ben McKenzie, so every credit to him. Anyway, that will do for a first email to you guys. Keep up the good work, and I look forward to next episode. Cheers, John Hammond. Thank you, John, so much for the feedback. Yeah, it's uh, a really good episode here from Ben McKenzie. Um, really well written, I think. I think he should be writing and directing uh, a lot more within this series, almost uh, being some kind of co-showrunner almost with John Stevens and Danny Cannon. You know, uh, he, he's provided some really good material uh, and I think he does very solid episodes from, in both direction and writing from the two outings that he's had in, yeah. in those different areas, definitely. Definitely proved himself. Thanks so much for that, John. Yeah, thank you, John. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode. We'll be back again next week. Yes, we will be back with episode five of season four of Gotham, a dark night. This is called The Blade's Path, mm. which airs on the 19th of October. So I reckon that knife of Belishi will be swiping its way across all manner of people, things, and doing its magical, mystical, wonderful stuff. Potentially, but Gotham's well known for subverting our expectations a bit. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. Yeah, Dog Boy really destroys the vibe around here. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening, and we'll speak with you again next time. Bye. This is Victoria Cartagena. I play Renee Montoya on Gotham. Hey, this is Andrew Stewart-Jones. I play Christmas Allen on Gotham. This is Robin Lloyd-Taylor. I'm David Mazuz. Hey, Gotham TV podcast listeners. This is Maggie Gia, otherwise known as Poison Ivy. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV podcast.